This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Thank you, Brother Garth. And thank you, Marcia, for that awesome introduction. Oh, she's going to make me cry up here. I didn't know I was going to mentor. Okay, I might, I might. What a blessing. And, and I'd like to thank everybody that I asked to be on this program today. Everybody said yes. I like yeses. Let's pray. Set us afire, Lord. Stir us, we pray. While the world perishes, we go on our way, purposeless, passionless, day after day. Set us afire, Lord. Stir us, we pray. Thank you for your word, your living word. Oh, Father, we pray that you will put your word in us. Let it be our lamp in this dark world, a light to our path. Teach us from this word and then help us to do, run, race, be, stand, whatever you would have us to be, your will be done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your awesome love for us. Thank you for your unmerited favor for us. Thank you for our victory in us. We love you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I see my baby boy, my youngest son that I always preach about. This Ethan. Ethan, wave your hand. He's now a UCF student working on his doctorate in, fit, in physical therapy. And I'm very proud of him. And I'm so proud you're here. Let me read to you Luke chapter 10. The story you know, starting with verse 25. You know this story. First time I've ever spoken this, preached on this story, though. And starting with verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and we saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay him. So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer, he said, who, the one who showed mercy on him. 
Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And so there's a controversy. You see the controversy. The, the Pharisees wanted to trick. They wanted to find a good reason to get, rid, get Jesus off the scene. So they had a lawyer, an educated lawyer came to test Jesus. But he also was a seeker, Mrs. White said. He wanted to know this, this question. So he asked him this question, the question we all ask. What do we need to do in order to have eternal life? What do I need to do? And Jesus said to the lawyer, you know the law. What does the law say? And the lawyer answered correctly. And he said, the law says that we should love the Lord thy God with all our heart, and with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. The lawyer asked him right, answered right. And Jesus said, good job. You did right. But the lawyer, who had been hired by the Pharisees, wanted to not look bad, so he asked him another question. And his question was, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this famous story, and it's not a story, it was a true account. And in fact, Desire of Ages says that the priest and the Levite were there in the audience. They were there. Everybody knew this story. And Jesus saw them in the audience. And so Jesus talks about a certain man that goes on a trip and he gets robbed. He was walking 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho and it was a rocky place and some thieves accosted him, beat him up, stole his clothes. He was naked, he was bleeding and he's left half, half died, dead. And one of the church members, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't a church member, one of the pastors came by. Priest, head of the church, the priest, the one who was in charge of understanding all and disseminating the truths about God, the priest came by and saw him bleeding and walked away. And then Jesus said, and then a Levite came by. A Levite was like an elder or a deacon or a deaconess, a church member. And they're in charge of taking care of the body of Christ. And the Levite came by. The Levite did this and walked on away. It says a certain man. So we don't know if he was Jew. We don't know if he was a Gentile. We don't know anything about the man. It just says a certain man, somebody, somebody. We don't know who he was. But then it says a Samaritan came by, and then the story goes on. On NPR this a uh, couple weeks ago, I heard this amazing story. It was about a young man. He's 31-year-old social worker. This 31-year-old social worker took his hour train ride home, like he always does, and he would get off a stop before his real stop because he wanted to eat at his fa favorite restaurant. So he got off on the, on the platform, and there were only a few people on there, and he got off out there by himself to go to his restaurant, and a teenager walked up to him with a knife and said, give me your money. So Julio Diaz, the young social worker, gave him his wallet. The teenager took it and walked away, and Julio said, wait a minute, he said, if you're going to be out here robbing people, it's kind of cold out here, why don't you take my coat too? And the young man said, the teenager said, why would you do that? He said, because you must really need this. 
and you'll probably be here, and so I don't want you to be cold. So take my coat. See, I was just planning on going to my restaurant to get something to eat. He said, I would be glad to treat you to a dinner if you'd like to come with me. And so the young would-be robber went with Julio to the restaurant. And so they got in and they sat down and everybody, every employee came by and spoke to Julio because this was one of his regular stops. The waitresses all came and said, hello, Julio. The dishwasher came and said, hello, Julio. Everybody came and spoke to Julio till the young man, the young robber, who said, everybody is talking to you. Do you own this place? He said, no, no, I just come here a lot, but I speak to everybody. But even the dishwasher, he said, well, weren't you taught that you should be kind to everybody? Didn't you learn that growing up? He said, yeah, I was taught that, but I didn't think people really did it. And so they ate, they finished their food, they talked, and then the bill came, and the Julio said to the robber, he said, I'll be glad to pay for it, but you have my money, and I don't have a wallet. If you want to give me my wallet back, I'll be glad to treat you. So the young robber gave him the wallet back, and Julio paid for the meal and gave the young man $20 and blessed him and let him go. And, oh, let me find the story. Why would you do that, Julio? Oh, before he gave, after he gave him the wallet back, Julio said, here's the $20. He said, but I want you to do something for me. He said, what is that? I want you to give me your knife. And the young man gave him his knife. The teen didn't even think about it and returned the wallet. Diaz says, I gave him $20. I figure maybe it'll help him. I don't know. Diaz says he asked for something in return, the teen's knife, and he gave it to me. Afterward, when Diaz told his mother what happened, she said, you're the type of kid that if someone asked you for the time, you'd give him your watch. Diaz said, I figure, you know, if you treat people right, you can only hope that they'll treat you right. It's as simple as it gets in this complicated world. What a story. The story of the, of the Good Samaritan talks about, in, in that story, there are three different philosophies of life. Three different philosophies of life depicted in the Good Samaritan story. The first philosophy that we see is the philosophy that what's What's yours, let me read it. What's yours is mine and I'll take it. The first philosophy. What's yours is mine and I'll take it. Thieves accosted this man and they took him. Took all his clothes, took all his money, almost took his life. We are in a world now where that is prevalent. Where people are saying, what's yours is mine and I'll take it. We've got people that are, that are <laughs> stealing your identity. It's yours. What's yours is mine. I'll take it. You can, you can go to the bank to get your money. They put a skimmer on there. Because so, what's yours is mine and I'll take it. Scams every day on the telephone. People are always trying to take what's yours is mine and I'll take it. Amen? Sometimes I hate to even make a donation. 
when we moved to Florida, we gave to the police department one time, and they call every year, twice a year. What's yours is mine. I'm sorry, Mr. Policeman. I don't have any money, but what's yours? And if you give a donation online, oh my goodness, they will ask you over and over, and some of them will keep on taking your money even after you said one payment only. What's yours is mine, and I will take it. We see that in these last days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it talks about all the pride and the selfishness and the greed and the, and the meanness of, towards parents and all kinds of things. One of my patients, one of my patients, she's an older woman. She's visiting from Canada. She flew down to visit with her son. She said, this lady, she makes, on Social Security, $900 a month. So she got her little money to come visit her son, who she said works for the Navy, and he makes $100,000 a month. But he doesn't have enough money to come visit her. What's yours is mine, and I'll take it. And the reason he doesn't have any money is because his wife charges all the time. She got rings for every finger, $3,000 rings, $4,000 rings, and she charges up the wazoo so they don't have any money. So what's yours is mine, and I'll take it. Just because I'm married to you, all that you have is mine, and I'm going to take it. So she gets her little money. She said he did come to visit her, but she had to pay the $300 ticket for him to come visit her up in Canada. I said, girlfriend, what have you learned? She said, because when she was in the hospital, whenever she comes down here to the 90 degree weather, she gets sick. She's used to cold weather. I said, what have you learned? She said, I'm going to stay home. I'll just have to talk to them on the, because what's yours is mine and I will take it. You know that same attitude can be in the church? What's yours is mine and I will take it. A couple weeks ago, we had a potluck here. And poor Ralph, he had bought us a whole bunch of plates. And he left them out on the counter. But somebody had an attitude of, what's yours is mine. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Rochelle, going home and getting us some plates, because we didn't have any plates. Because what's yours is mine. Whatever belongs to the church is mine. And I, you better not leave your nice coat up in here. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Sister Lana. What's yours is mine. I know you've got some nice bowls that are no longer here. Amen? <laughs> All those nice knives that you bought, oh, they're gone, aren't they? What's yours is mine. You got to hide stuff and lock it up up in the church because what's yours is mine and I will take it. That's the first philosophy of life. But the second philosophy of life is this. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And see, those were the Levi, the priests. What's mine? I'm not touching him. He may get blood on me. That's mine. The Levi, what's mine? I've got oil and wine, but that's mine. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. You know that song, I used to believe, I'm, he's helping me, it's hurt, it hurts though. All things come from thee, O oh God. 
Isn't that what y'all sing every week? And of thine own have we given thee? Isn't that the song we sang? Uh, no. How does it go? A trust, O Lord, from thee. How does it go? We give thee but thine whatever gift may be. All that we have is a trust. Hurt my feelings. See, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. See, I give a tithe, and I give a generous offering, but the 80%, the 80% that's left is mine. It's mine, and I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to give. Oh, my goodness. You know the scripture doesn't teach like that. Unfortunately, God measures by what you have left, not what you give. The widow with her might, he said she did right because she gave everything. All things come. It hurts my feelings. I've got I've to rethink even my giving because God looks at what I have left. Because, see, if I give faithfully, I've got, I gave you $100, but I got 40000 left. Ooh, we... God looks at the 40,000 that's left and my selfishness, especially if I see you broke and hurt and I don't help. It hurts my feelings. But the priest and the Levite walked right by because this was the question they asked. They asked the question, what will happen to me if I stop? What will happen to me if I stop? If I stop and help him, the robbers may be lurking around and they may come get me. Or I may get blood on my clothes or it's too much time and I'm in a hurry and he may be not even be a Jew and I'll be unclean touching him. Or he probably did, whatever. What will happen to me if I help? It's, what's mine is mine and I will keep it. It's my time, Lord. I'm not giving you my time. I gave you my time when I came to church on Sabbath. I'm done. I put in my time. And what's mine is mine. And I can keep my own time. That's the second philosophy. All things come from thee. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that dwell in it. I belong to him. I'm an ambassador for Christ, but only on Sabbath between sunset to sunset. The rest of the time belongs to me. What's mine is mine, and I will keep it. It dwells in the church, too. I met uh, two patients, two patients this week. One was Mr. Griffin, and all these folks that gave me permission, because the way I do sermons now is, okay, Lord, here's it. you gave me the topic, now you give me the information. And so I get amazed at all the illustrations. So I went to see Mr. Griffin. Mr. Griffin had a tube coming out of his nose. He had bandages. We had all, we got not things all up in him all over, all over where. And Mr. Griffin, when I greet him and tell him who I am, he praises I just love him. He's so good to me. He's so And I was talking to Mr. Griffin. All he wanted to do was thank God for his goodness. And so I said, wow, you, but how are you? Well, I'm, I'm doing really well. God has really blessed me. And then he tried to sing, I surrender all. But he couldn't go. He's got a tube down his throat. He tried. He said, I, I sound better, but I got this tube in my throat. And he was trying to sing, I surrender all. He said that his, his being there was God's 
order for him, and he was glad to go anywhere for Jesus. What? Now, he wasn't a Seventh-day Adventist, but I believe him anyway. The other lady's name, also not a Seventh-day Adventist, was named Angelica. Miss Angelica, every time I would ask her how she was doing, she said, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm all right. And, I, you know, I'm the joy person. I want to say, well, I hope it gets better. She said it may be just like it is, but it's okay. But, you know, we're going to pray, and it, but it may stay like this, chaplain, but it's okay. And I said, help me understand, Miss Angelica. Well, she told me that her name means the angelic, the angel. She, she's like a, a, one that's anointed. She said, I have no pancreas. I have no spleen. Those are all gone. I'm a miracle. I'm walking around without these things. She said, I have liver cancer that's in remission right now. I've got this and this. The doctors told me I can never have children, and I've got three. She said, I am a walking miracle. God uses me wherever I am to tell the story that you can walk around without body parts and still trust him. I said, whoa. These folk that teach me about faith, it doesn't, with limitations, I'm going to praise him anyhow. Her, their lives are, regardless of my circumstances, I will praise the Lord. Unlike the, the Pharisee, the priest and the Levite who walked around, it was not, their question was not, what will happen to me? They said, I don't care what happens to me. I will praise him anyway. Until I take my last breath, I will praise the Lord. Not what will happen to me. When God, when church folk ask you to serve, our first thought will, will be, what will happen to me? Now, we've got folks that do awesome service. Sister Marcia, and she asked, we need folks that will help us make donations, help us cook for Straight Street. But what will happen to me? If I help you, Marcia, you probably want me to go. I, don't, I need my Sunday off. What will happen to me? Oh, if I help her once, she's going to come and ask me again. I'm not going to do it. Because once you get started helping them folk, what will happen to me? What if I go down there and they want to breathe on me and touch me? What will happen to me? What if they want to know my name or I see somebody I recognize from my past? What will happen to me? So the second, the second philosophy and the question is, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to do anything. But the third philosophy the third philosophy was the philosophy of the Samaritan and other, also Julio Diaz. The third philosophy is this. What's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. His question was not what's going to happen to me, but what will happen to you if I don't help you? Oh my goodness, here comes that same old person. She calls and she whines and she talks on the phone all the time. What will happen to me if I answer that phone call? She'll keep me on the phone for an hour. I'm not going to, I'm just not even going to answer it. Instead, the Samaritan says, 
What will happen to her if you don't answer? What will happen to Sabbath school if you don't teach? What will happen to the uh, deaconess program if you don't deaconess this week or if you don't sing? What will happen to the children if you don't care? What will happen to our world if you don't speak of Christ? What will happen if you don't do it? Not what will happen to me. What will happen to the next driver if I don't put my basket away? What will happen to um, the next person if I don't pick up the trash that I dropped in the bathroom or wipe off the water that I slushed all around? What will happen to them when they come lean? They'll have water all down the front. What will happen to them if I don't help? That was the question with the third philosophy of life. What's mine is God's and I will share it. Last week was nurses week at my hospital and one of my favorite stories about my nurses, one of my units called Rapid In and Out. They, they've changed it to same day services, same day services. Mary, St. Angelo, all that group, you know, they have, they, have, they have a special love, but it has happened. I think Rose, you may have been there, but anyway, one of the workers, Vilma, had brought a mango and put it in the refrigerator. Oh my, Vilma couldn't wait till lunchtime because it was in her mind to eat her mango. Oh, it was all just right for her and she was so excited. When she went to get her mango, it was gone. <laughs> was mine? Was yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Somebody took it. Vilma went up from here to here. She was hot. She went to everybody and said, did you, did you steal my mango? No, Vilma, I didn't take your mango. Did you take my mango? No, I didn't take your mango. She went to everybody in the department. Did you take my mango? Nobody took her mango. Nobody admitted to taking her mango. She left that place upset. The next morning when she got back to work, there was a bag right near her, her locker, and it said, Vilma, I am so sorry. I took your mango, so I'm returning your mango, Mary. And then she went to her desk, and there was another bag, and it said, Dear Vilma, please forgive me for stealing your mango. And there were a couple more mangoes from Karen. And then later on at her desk, there was another bag with about six mangoes. Vilma, I am so sorry I stole your mangoes. Please forgive me. And there were six mangoes. Share. Everybody in the department that she had accused of stealing her mango brought her a mango, so she ended up with like 13 or 14 mangoes. She got so tickled, she laughed out loud. And finally, well, Vilma's an excellent cook. She made mango salsa for the whole department. But they finally called the one who took the mango to Cuesta. To Cuesta was at home. She said, yeah, that was a good mango. I thought you had left it for me. <laughs> but I love the story because What's mine is God's and I will share it. None of those nurses got upset and 
and Velma forgave Tequesta too, I'm glad. She ended up with 13 mangoes, good grief. They ended up just loving her. What's mine is God's and I'm going to share it. They took an explosive, divisive situation and they loved on Vilma, they loved on Tequesta, and they brought joy and cohesion to the whole department instead of dividing it because what's mine is God's and I will share it. Three different philosophies. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. What's mine is God, and I'm going to share it. And the short version of it is, where's the short version? The short version is, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it, beat him up. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it, pass him up. And what's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it, help him up. Beat him up, pass him up, or help him up. Which is your philosophy? Which is your philosophy? And that's what the, the Samaritan, the story, Jesus says to him, now you go do likewise. Help him up. Don't pass by. Don't take from. But bless. And God will continue. You can't beat God given no matter how you try. So Donna told me her story. Donna said that, one of her church members is a grandmama, but she's got three children from her 23-year-old granddaughter. 23-year-old granddaughter has three children already and is not taking care of them, so the poor grand, great-grandma grandma is having to take care of these babies, and she's up to here. She has to move. She's got about a bigger place. The girl doesn't help. Doesn't, and so she said, I can't come to church. I can't. I've got to get out of the apartment. I've got all these things to pack. And the Holy Spirit said to Donna, Donna, that's your assignment. My assignment, help her up. So Donna called some other women in the church. They all came and said, Grandmother, we want you to just tell us what we need to pack for you. We will pack came and got the kids, took them to another church member, watched the kids while we get her moved. The women packed up all the stuff, helped her move, helped her unpack the stuff. And this poor grandmother said, I've been praying and God doesn't help me. She said, don't say it again. God has sent us to help you. It was my assignment. She wanted to call the elders and she wanted to call the deacons and she wanted to call... But God said, that's your job. You help her up. You help her. What's your assignment? What's your calling? You know what a gift we have. Our pastor is gone. God sent him on a different assignment. What fun this will be. Because now we are responsible to do the things that God has called us to do in the first place. Because the priest is not here to do it. I can't say, pastor, will you go visit so-and-so? It's your assignment. Help them up. Pastor, will you? No, it's your assignment. Help them up. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, we'll meet on Monday, on Tuesday, but it's going to be fun because God is putting you on assignment. You are called to be the good Samaritan. Will you beat them up, pass them up, 
or help them up. Let's pray. Oh, okay, Lord, what will happen to me if I tell them this? What will happen to me? Do I have to do these things that you told them to do? Oh, you told me to do them. <laughs> okay. By your grace, Lord, by your strength, and in the joy, I will do them because you put me on assignment. Lord, I am willing, we are willing to go, be, do, give. We will bandage them up. We'll place them on our donkey, and we will pay for their healing in the end. But Lord, hold us close and continue to make us the story that will go out throughout the ages because we were being faithful to you and living our calling. Bless us, Lord, as we give away, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we will know clearly that it's you speaking and that we will say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Keep us, bless us, help us, use us. And we thank you for the privilege that we have of being called children of the Most High God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.